0: Well, good morning. Uh, you can take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 6. It's so good to see you. And uh, God is worthy to be praised, right? Amen. And there's so many things, so many blessings we can count this morning as Christ followers, as a church, a thing about how good God's been to us. And I wanted to do that for just a moment as we are here going into a new year, 2023, and we look back on last year, and, and something that I just uh, have over the course of the last year have just thanked you for is uh, the spirit of generosity in our church is just amazing uh, to see how faithful God has been to us here at Schindler Drive through your faithfulness it's just it's just awesome to see that and so I did want to just celebrate a couple of things with you as we're looking back on last year and uh, definitely think this is something to celebrate and praise God for and uh, I'm excited to announce uh, that in 2022 um, that we just saw an increase, again, in the faithfulness and generosity of our folks. And we saw our giving for the first year in the history of our church ever reach uh, the $900,000 mark, which is awesome. Can we praise God for that? And, uh, and so, but it gets better, all right? It gets better. Uh, at the end of last year, which was just a few weeks ago, uh, we got an unexpected um, message and uh, an unexpected gift uh, that is just awesome. And uh, so Rebecca's uh, grandfather, uh, her dad's dad, uh, we call him Papa Jim, uh, Jim Rigdon. He has served in the Jacksonville area for many, many years as a pastor. Uh, he's served for 45 years at Atlantic Boulevard Baptist Church, our right, church on the south side. He's been faithful, preaching the word there week in and week out and reaching that community for Christ. And uh, in uh, recent months, he's retired. And the church had to make some decisions as to how they were going to move forward with their ministry. And so they made some decisions, and they sent a few ministries, a letter, and we got one of those letters. And so I want to read it to you. To whom it may concern, please accept this gift of love from your brothers and sisters in Christ at Atlantic Boulevard Baptist Church. After much prayer and consideration, our church made the difficult decision to dissolve our church and sell our church building. The church chose to take the proceeds, though, of this sale and disperse them to ministries they felt support. Um, they felt led to support, knowing that by doing so they were investing in the kingdom work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is our prayer that this investment will allow the influence of all that God has done through this local body of believers here at Atlantic Boulevard Baptist Church to continue until our Lord's return. God's richest blessings in all you do for the cause of Christ, your co-laborers in Christ, uh, James Rigdon, and then the officers of the church are listed as well. And so, I am excited to announce to you that we received a check from Atlantic Boulevard Baptist Church, written to Schindler Drive, uh, to continue kingdom work here for ninety thousand so dollars. Praise God for that. So, what that did is that brought our tithes and offerings for the year of two thousand twenty-two to a total of one million three thousand one hundred fifty dollars, which is awesome. Praise God for that. You know, it's not about the money. It's just amazing to see how God's choosing to work. And it's very humbling. And so pray with me and let's pray together that God will show us how we need to move forward and use these resources that God's blessing us with uh, to further uh, the kingdom work of God in this area to the ends of the earth and to advance the gospel. All right, so pray with me about that. And we want to be that kind of church, amen? Amen. We want to be a church on mission. We want to be a church that, that holds on to things with loose hands for the glory of God, that stays on mission to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be a light here in this community and to the ends of the earth. And the question is, how do we do that? How do we stay on mission? I think the beginning of the year is a great time to ask that question. How do we not lose focus as a church? And stay on mission, doing what God's called us to do, to stay on mission. How do we do that? Well, that's why for the month of January, what we're going to do is we're going to spend each week focusing on some main things, keeping main things, some main things, all right? And focusing on a few essentials that we must keep our focus on and stay committed to in order to be a church that stays on mission, all right? And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the greatest weapon that we've been given Uh, to fight for change in our world, to fight for change in our community, to fight for change in our homes, to fight for change in our own lives. And it's the weapon of prayer. It's the gift and the privilege it is to step into the presence of God and to pray to Him. Church, we've been called to be a people of prayer. We've been called to be a church of prayer. And to help us learn to do that, we're going to look at the best lesson ever given on prayer in the history of humanity, and it was given by Jesus Himself in Matthew chapter 6. So stand with your Bibles open. Matthew chapter 6, I'll begin to read in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret from evil would you have a seat as I pray God I'm just my heart's just filled with awe and wonder at the way that you choose to work and Lord even thinking about what we just celebrated a few moments ago Lord I'm humbled I thank you for the testimony of faithfulness that we've seen demonstrated through the life of Jim Rigdon of the church there at Atlantic Boulevard Baptist Church for all the lives that you touched through that gospel ministry over the decades. And we're humbled that now we get to carry on uh, that work ourselves. And so, Lord, we're just thankful for how you're choosing to move. Father, we're thankful that you allow us to be part of your work on this planet. And, Lord, I pray we would steward that responsibility well. Lord, I pray we'd honor you. Lord, I pray here in the beginning of a year, Lord, as we think about our lives as individual disciples, as we think about our lives collectively as a church, Lord, that you would help us to once again regain a focus of what it means to be a church on mission and what we need to do and what needs to remain main things in our life in order for us to do so. So we pray your spirit help us this morning, help us to grow in your word together. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now in this passage, Jesus is teaching us how to pray, all right? But uh, before we look at how he's teaching us to pray, I think it's important to visit the question, why do we pray, real quick? Why do we pray, all right? One of the reasons we pray is because through fervent, sincere, consistent prayer, God changes us through the discipline of prayer. The two main uh, avenues, the uh, two main tools that God uses in our lives as believers to sanctify us is the Word of God, the ministry of the Word of God in our life, in prayer, all right? So prayer does change us. It's important for us to understand that. But I also want to focus our hearts on another reason this morning why we need to be people of prayer. And I like the way Andrew Murray says it. Andrew Murray, a South African pastor and author from the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s. He said this. He's got some great writing on prayer. I encourage you to, to read his stuff if you want to be encouraged in your prayer life. He wrote this. God rules the world in his church through the prayers of his people. I want that to set in for a minute. God rules the world and his church through the prayers of his people. God rules the world in his church. And you could add on to that. You could say, God rules the world in his church and your life and your home and your community and your family and your marriage through the prayers of his people. Alright, so now, does God have to do it that way? No, He's God. You know what God God means? That He can do whatever He wants to do, right? But God's chosen to rule the world through the prayers of His people. Now, where did Andrew Murray get that from? He got it from the Bible. He got it from passages like 2 Chronicles chapter 7. When God said to His people, so remember, Solomon's finished the building of the temple. They just dedicated the temple. They've prayed a prayer to God to dedicate that temple to Him. And then God responds in Second Chronicles 7.14. Very popular verse. You may know it even as I read it. You may be reminded of it. If my people, God says, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Did you hear it? According to that verse, what is it going to take to see a move of God in our world? What is it going to take to see a move of God in our land? What is it going to take to see a move of God in our community? What is it going to take to see a move of God in our homes and in our marriage and in our lives? The prayers of God's people are really good at, at, at playing the blame game sometimes this, as a church and pointing the finger at you know, Hollywood or pointing the finger at celebrities or pointing the finger at media or social media and all kinds of different reasons why we think that The kingdom is not advancing in this world. Those are symptoms of the problem. What verses of Scripture show us is that the reason why a spiritual awakening has not occurred, the very reason why that has not occurred, a reason for that could be sitting in this room right now. That's what that verse is telling us. What if God is ready to pour out His Spirit? What if God is... What if God is ready to usher in another great spiritual awakening in our homes and not just our homes but even on a larger scale in our nation he's simply waiting what if he's simply waiting on the church to get so desperate that we cry out to him together for him to move now some of you are theologically sharp so you 're ahead of me i don 't want you to hear i don't want you to hear me wrong on that, okay. I'm not saying somehow we in and of ourselves can somehow create a move of God by ourselves with our prayer in our family and in our city and in our nation and in our world. But what I am suggesting that there's a biblical case for this. The Bible teaches us that through our prayers, we can create an atmosphere for God to move should he sovereignly choose to do so. That's right, amen. Good. And if that's true, we need to be sincerely praying. We need to be consistently praying and we need to know how to pray. Matthew 6 is a great place to learn how to pray. Jesus is a great teacher to learn from on the subject of prayer. Amen. Right? And you'll find a lot of the teaching right here in Matthew chapter 6 aligns with and is reaching back to that prayer in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. But Matthew 6 is like prayer 101. Now you're maybe here and you're like, See, Pastor, I'm, I'm actually an advanced prayer, so I'm not sure I need Prayer 101. Like, I'm kind of a veteran prayer, you know? I don't know if I need this Prayer 101. You may not, you know, I don't know, this may not help you much. But for most of us, we could use some refresher course. We could use some brushing up on the fundamentals of prayer this morning. And some of you here, and you, you're aware of how much help you need. You're like, I'm not, to be honest, I, I don't really feel like I'm a good, good at praying. I don't really feel like there's much power in my prayer life. I'm not even sure, like when I hear other people pray, I'm not sure I could even ever have a strong prayer life. I want every one of you, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, to be encouraged in Christ this morning. You can grow in your prayer life. And I want this this model that Jesus is going to show us here of prayer to encourage you. I want it to encourage you. And I want it to help all of us to learn how to pray. Now, I said the word model there. That's important, right? That's important for that to stick out to you. This is important to remember that this here, right here, what Jesus is praying here, we call the Lord's Prayer. But it's really a model prayer right here that we find in the middle of a sermon Jesus is preaching called the Sermon on the Mount that's found in Matthew 5-7 through seven, is a model prayer. Right. And that's important to remember because we have a tendency, don't we, to try to kind of formulize everything, don't we? We try to formulize everything. And some of you, maybe that's even why you've memorized this verse somewhere along the way. We can kind of latch on to these things and we can form, uh, formalize them, them. So I remember like as far as memorizing them and kind of... It's even a thing in culture, isn't it? I, I picked up on this as I began to play sports in, in middle school. Uh, I played middle school basketball at Darnold-Cookman. That's where I first... Uh, middle school in jacksonville and that's where i first saw this happen so it's the first game never happened in practices you know in seventh grade i played and then our first game and our coach who who used really bad language in practice all of a sudden at the beginning of the first game we're in the locker room he said hey everybody come together and he kind of joined us together and we got, got together and started saying the lord's prayer and like i'm looking around like nobody here i think is a christian like including me at that time nobody really understands what's being said right here and we're all kind of getting really religious right here what is this about and then it kind of i, I realized it kind of became like a chant it almost became like this pump-up chant that we did together the lord's prayer we took this thing out of matthew 6 and turned it into this like good luck charm before our basketball games and you know everybody got together everybody started real low right our father which are in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread right then in the kingdom of glory yes amen yes go kill them that's how we did it. That's not why Jesus gave us this prayer. That's not what it's for. It's not a prayer you latch onto that you recite, that you chant as some kind of formula. The key phrase to understand, to help you understand what this prayer is here for, is when Jesus says, pray like this. Right? There's no special magic power in repeating this prayer over and over. Right? This prayer doesn't get God's attention more than any other prayer that you're going to pray. All right? This prayer is a lesson to help you no matter where you're at spiritually to learn how to pray. And how to learn how to pray powerful prayers that engage the heart of God. I want you to notice four characteristics about this prayer this morning that can help us learn to pray more biblical, more powerful prayers. And here's the first thing. It's very basic. First thing I want you to notice that it's a short prayer. It's a short prayer. I mean, is there anything worse? We just came out of the holiday season. Is there anything worse than somebody praying a long prayer right before Thanksgiving meal? Don't look at me like you're like more spiritual than me. You can smell the food, right? You, the kids have finally like stood still for a microsecond. like You got everybody still. And then they will stand up and do a marathon prayer where we all got to stand here and smell the food, right? I don't think you thank God for anything all year long and you want to fit it all right here in the, into the prayer right before Thanksgiving, right? I don't know if that's the right time to do that listen you don't have to pray this is what this prayer shows us right here very simple uh, lesson right here very basic but a very liberating truth you don't have to pray long prayers to impress God Jesus said pray like this and it's a very short prayer you can read it in about 25 seconds all right so especially when you're thinking about praying in public because that's a big part of this passage and at the first part of this chapter, you see Jesus kind of honing in on this, uh, focusing on on how you pray publicly and people praying publicly with the wrong motivation. And there's a warning here, be careful about long-winded prayers, especially in public. There's actually a scriptural case right here where it'd probably actually be better for us to pray shorter in public and longer in private, which is the place in verse 6 of this chapter where Jesus says we most engage the heart of God behind closed doors. So be very careful about praying in public when we get long-winded because when we do that, that's where we tend to try to try to show off our prayer skills. And by the way, just a little side note right here. When you are asked to pray in front of a big group of people, when you are asked to pray in public, let that not be the time that you unleash on everybody every Bible study that you've been studying over the last three years. You ever been there? Right? You're, somebody's asked to pray. Yeah, I'll pray. They get up and pray and they're like, let's pray. You know, dear God, as I was thinking about just the other day about how you taught me in my study of James last spring, I always thought that word meant this, but then you showed me that the past, you participle there, actually the word means, and it's like, wait, you're just saying that so everybody can hear about the Bible study that you had last spring. Be very careful about that. Don't do that. Notice this prayer right here is an intentional prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's not packed with a bunch of theological concepts that nobody can understand. It's short. It's simple. It's sincere. Hey, and it teaches us that short prayers can be really powerful and really effective. I'm saying it's a sin to pray a long prayer. Just be careful. And be reminded that this right here is a model and it's a short prayer. Number two, it's a personal prayer. It's a personal prayer. Notice that Jesus says, if you're going to address God... If you're going to address God, there's one way you should address Him. How does He start right there? Heavenly Father. That's very, very important right here. There we find the key word that shapes everything that Jesus is teaching us about prayer in these verses. When we come to Christ, we enter into a relationship with God as our Father. Very important. Romans 8.15 says, When we come to Christ, when we become a Christian, we do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry what? Abba, Father. That's an intimate word for Father. It's kind of like our word for Daddy or Dad. So as a believer, listen, again, getting these prayer skills just for some of us brushed up on. Sometimes we say Father, sometimes we use these words, and we forget the impact of what this means. As a believer, we get the privilege of knowing God in a personal way, which should change the way that we interact with Him. See, it's true, isn't it, that your relationship with someone is largely going to ter- determine the way that you communicate with them and the way you interact with them, right? So if you go to, say, you go walking through Publix this afternoon, or you go walking through Target this afternoon, or you go walking through the mall this afternoon, there's certain things that I'm not going to walk up to a stranger and, and, and do there and ask them to do. You know, there's certain things that, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to walk up to a stranger if I walk through Walmart this afternoon to joke like just Joe below stranger and walk him to go, hey, buddy, hey, my back kind of scratches right here where I can't reach could you scratch that for me real quick right a little up a little to the right thank you appreciate that see you later I'm not going to do that like if you don't have an issue with that there's some social social boundary issues we may need to work with you we need to meet with you and talk with you about now with your spouse maybe right Now, what's that? What's the point of bringing that up? Our relationship with someone shapes the way we interact with them, shapes the way that we communicate with them, shapes the way that we talk with them. And what Jesus is driving home with this phrase, our Father, is the truth that we have a new relationship with God in Christ that should drastically and dramatically change the way that we interact with Him, that we talk with Him. How we pray to Him. How we relate to Him. And let me just remind us of what that is. Here's what the relationship looks like in Christ. You have been brought, into, if you're in Christ, into a father-son or a father-daughter relationship with the Creator God of the universe. And because of the gospel, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross... Because He rose from the dead and finished that work through Christ, we've got a new relationship with God where we no longer have to view God as this kind of this big cosmic businessman in the sky that I've got to spend the rest of my life doing a song and dance for and trying to strike up some kind of business deal with. The gospel beckons us to leave the boardroom and to come into the living room. Amen. To leave the boardroom and to come into the family room and into a different relational context with God and to talk to Him like He's my Father. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus doesn't say, hey, approach God like this, oh, great cosmic potentate. No, it's not that. Abba Father. Heavenly Father. Like a child comes to a good father, you just speak to Him. You don't got to use fancy words. You don't got to be long-winded. You don't go here and rehearse and practice and try to figure out all the right things. You just begin to talk to Him in a personal way. Like you would talk to me after this service. He's your father. He wants to talk to you. He wants to commune with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants you to pray to him. That word father is important. It's important for some of you in Christ who have drifted and wandered. Maybe you haven't called your father in a while. Maybe you haven't talked to him in a while. And the longer that time goes by, the more awkward it gets. And even in some ways, the more difficult it gets to go back and to enter back in in prayer, isn't it? But the word father, it can snap you out of that real quick. Because the fact that he's he's your father reminds us that it's easy for him to take his kid back. Some of you have had, maybe you're in the middle of this. So you're going to have to imagine your response, but it's going to be the same. Some of you have lived through this and had a, a child teenage child, maybe an adult child who has run, who has done things to hurt you and harm you, maybe hurt the reputation of your family. Maybe they have made decisions to cut you out of their life. How hard was it for you when they came back to you and they fell back in your arms and they said, I'm sorry. I love you. I'm so sorry for what I did. How hard was it for you to take them back? Not hard. Somebody may look at that and go, how did you do that? How what they did to you how how they harmed you how they hurt you how how did you receive him back like this welcome home because i'm their father or i'm their mother so we relate to him as father all right so we pray to him in light of that relationship number three it's a humble prayer so we track with me here we engage with him on a personal level because he's our heavenly father We get to Hebrews 4. We get to approach the throne of grace with confidence because of that relationship shift and change. Complete access into the throne room of God. It's an amazing access, it's an amazing privilege, but we got to be careful because what the Bible doesn't say and what it never gives us a picture of is once we understand that, that we're to be like, kind of like bratty kids who have the king of the cosmos as my heavenly father and I'm just going to rush in and demand him to do for me whatever I want him to do. No. We don't just approach him in a personal way. We approach him in a humble way as well. Well, listen, prayer warriors, listen to me carefully. Prayer warriors who create atmospheres in their life and in their home and in the places that surround them create atmospheres for the hand of God to move powerfully are prayer warriors who pray to God personally and humbly. What did God tell us in 2 Chronicles chapter 7? What did He tell His people? If my people what? Humble themselves and pray. And this model that Jesus gives us right here, it's filled with an attitude of humility. For one, it's a prayer of humble submission to the authority of a king. Do you see that? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Our prayer should be marked by a humble submission to our king. It's like every day I should be coming before God, my King. Hey, I'm here again today in your presence. I was here yesterday and I need to be right here in your presence once again today, recognizing my great need for you. My great need for you to be involved in every area of my life, for you to be reigning in every area of my life. My great need for you to move powerfully and to shape my life and to shape my family's life and to shape my home and to shape my relationships and to shape my marriage and to shape this church more and more to the image of you and your kingdom prayers lifted with a hard attitude of humble submission like that are prayers that move the heart of God by the way that's the reason why sometimes it's good to get on our knees and pray to actually take that physical posture of kneeling down in Ephesians chapter 3 the uh, apostle Paul he prays a prayer for the church in Ephesus and we're actually going to we're going to study Ephesus we're going to study Ephesians uh, beginning in, in February, it's going to take us probably 15, 16 weeks. We'll go through it verse by verse, and so we'll get to this in depth. But there's this incredible prayer. It's another model. For, it's another great prayer to study and learning how to pray. And when Paul begins to pray for this church in Ephesus, this incredible prayer in Ephesians chapter three, it begins. The prayer begins like this: For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, listen. You don't have to bow your knees to pray. I have to do that. You can pray from any body position, right? You can pray standing up. You can pray laying down. You can pray upright. You can pray leaning over. You can pray on your side. You can pray on your stomach. You can pray on your back. You can pray any way you want. You can pray anywhere, right? You can pray here at church. You can pray at home. You can pray in your car. You can pray at the office. You can pray anywhere you want. But what we see with Paul right here is he's in a prison. He's in Rome. And he's on his knees praying to this church in Ephesus, this prayer, and it reminds us that praying on our knees sometimes is a good thing. You say, why? Because the posture of our body often influences the attitude of our hearts. And getting on our knees and even at times on our face before God is a great way to remind our heart to get into the right humble attitude it needs to be in before God. You say, well, Yes, sir. I've got arthritic knees. I don't know if I could ever pray like the Apostle Paul, right? You get as low as you can go, all right? You sit in a chair. That's fine. God sees your heart, right? The humble submission of our heart before God, really what it does, right? When our heart actually aligns with the physical posture of kneeling, when we're submitted to God in a humble posture, what it does, a, it aligns our heart with His will, it aligns our heart with His will, and it helps take us down a path of lifting up requests that line up with His will, and the will of His kingdom. And there are, hearts that, there are prayers that create an atmosphere for Him to move. This is also a prayer of humble dependence. Look at what Jesus said. He said, pray like this, give us this day our daily bread, or bread for tomorrow. All right? So that phrase is teaching us to give us this day our daily bread it's teaching us to pray prayers that are marked by humble desperation and humble dependence on God now that may not sound like a desperate prayer to you and to me you are not. You maybe are a little hungry but you're not like wondering if you're going to eat today for most of you right you're wondering like where am I going to eat where out of the 15 choice restaurants I have for Mexican food am I going to eat this afternoon right you may even get an argument with your spouse this afternoon about where you're going to eat and she may say, you pick. But she really doesn't mean that. She really doesn't mean that. She means just start saying restaurants, and when you get to the one that I kind of like, we'll go with that one. That's fine. We play that game. It's all good. We're going to eat. But in, first century, in the first century Roman Empire, rarely was someone able to go, hmm, I wonder where I'm going to eat today. No, it was, I wonder if we we're going to be able to eat today at all. I wonder if we're going to have any bread on our table at all tomorrow. And our problem sometimes for us is we're way more spoiled than we realize. We're way more blessed than we realize. And the result is we can often be way more self-dependent than we ever ought to be. We are desperately in need of God every moment of every day, whether we realize it or not. And when you truly realize how desperate you are for God, when you truly realize how dependent you are on Him, that's really when your prayer life begins to catch fire. That's when you turn into a committed prayer, a devoted prayer warrior. I mean, just think about it. When do you pray the most? When do you pray the most? When you need God the most. Let me prove it to you. If a a doctor called you tomorrow morning and, and he said, listen, I don't know how to tell you this, but we got your blood work back and you got somewhere between six and eight weeks to live and there's medically nothing we can do to help you. Now, you may up to that point not have been able, you may not have been able to find a lot of time to pray up to that moment, but let me tell you, after that moment right there, guess what you just became? You just became a prayer warrior. And not just you, you're going to be posting it all over social media. You're going to be calling and texting everybody, blowing up their phone saying, you got to pray for me. You'll do everything that you can to get people to pray. Why? Because things just got desperate. What wasn't a priority yesterday just became a priority today. Why? Because you realized in that moment just how desperately you need God. Just how fragile your life is. But here's the bottom line this morning, Schindler Drive Baptist Church. We need God whether we realize it or not. We need God whether we have the diagnosis from the doctor or not. We need God whether we lost our job or not. We need God whether our health is failing or not. We need God whether our family's falling apart or not. We need God whether our marriage is on the rocks or not. We need God, period. Amen. And the kind of prayers that move the heart of God are prayers that arise from a hard attitude of humble submission and desperation and pendants that say this continuously, God, I need you every hour I need you I needed you yesterday I need you today and I'm going to need you tomorrow humble prayers cultivate the kind of atmosphere in our homes in our lives in places around us cultivate the kind of atmosphere God delights to move with power in four to repentant prayer in verses 12 through 13, listen to how the rest of the prayer goes. And forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's similar from what we saw in 2 Chronicles 7, isn't it? It said, if my people will humble themselves and pray, and then what does he say at the end of that verse? Turn from their wicked ways. Same idea in both prayers. This idea, coming to God daily and regularly. Coming to Him, confessing our sin. Seeking His relational forgiveness. We get His judicial forgiveness when we come to Him for salvation in the first place. And in that moment, we repent. We turn from our sin. And we receive forgiveness. Past, present, future sins. Right? We, we are brought into the family of God permanently. But as we move through this world, we tend to wander back to those things that we previously denounced. Which means we are in need of coming to God daily. And experience relational forgiveness. Parental forgiveness. Parental forgiveness. In our relationship with Him. Always remember that repentance isn't a once and done thing that happens at salvation for the disciple, it's a way of life. And when we're not praying repentant prayers daily, when we're not coming clean before God, when we're not seeking to walk in the light, when we're not confessing our sin to him, when we're not repenting our sin, repenting of our sin, it becomes a hindrance in our fellowship with God. And if that's where we stay, and if that's where you're at this morning, it may explain a lot in your life. You're robbing yourself when you do that of the joy of walking in unhindered fellowship with God and you're doing nothing but not praying repentant prayers by not confessing your sin through prayer regularly, daily. You're not doing anything to create an atmosphere in your life, in your home, in your marriage where you'll see God move with power. But when we pray personal prayers, When we pray humble prayers, when we come clean before Him, and confess our sins, and pray repentant prayers, oh, He changes us. He transforms us. He grows us in our relationship with Him, and it moves the heart of God. To close this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you something that I hope will help you. Because maybe we get to the point of a sermon like this and it's like, okay, I got it. Not supposed to just do the Lord's Prayer, chant, everybody go team. Not supposed to do that. Not supposed to hold on to it like a good luck charm. Supposed to pray, I got you. I got you. Personal, humble, repentant prayers. But how do I put a prayer together? I'm not sure how to put like a prayer together. I want to give you an acrostic that's helped me for the last 20 years in my discipleship journey. And it's the axe uh, the acrostic. And this will help you take this with you. Each A-C-T-S, each of these are going to give you a word that's going to help you build a prayer. It's going to help you craft a prayer each day. All right? And A stands for adoration. And you're going to see each of these elements are in the Lord's Prayer. Each of these things are going to... Each of these things, you're going to find elements of them in the Lord's Prayer is what I mean. And this is going to help you to put together and to build a prayer, a personal prayer, a humble prayer... A repentant prayer. A stands for adoration. So the first thing you do when you're building a prayer is you adore God. The first thing when we're entering into God's presence and we're praying to Him each day is I'm getting my eyes off of myself and I'm getting my eyes on God. Adore Him. Worship Him in light of who He is. He's our Heavenly Father. He's holy. He's awesome. I worship You. Hallowed be Your name. Tell Him how much you love Him in your prayer life. Begin your prayer telling Him how much you adore Him, how much you love Him. But just don't say, I love you, I love you, I love you so much. That's good. But tell Him why you love Him. God, I love you because you saved me. I love you because I see you working in my life. I love you because you, man, you've blessed me so much. I love, me, I love you because you've given me an incredible family. I love you because you have given me an incredible spouse. I love you because you've given me this job. Adore Him. Adore the Lord. Second, C stands for confession. So we just covered that. Confess your sins to the Lord. Right? You say, confess my sins to the Lord. Like all of them? All That may take a while. That's why you should do it in private. Alright? may take you a while. But be as specific as you can be. Like, if you, if you can think about it, if it's broken your heart, you should be able to come before the Lord and be specific about it. Right? So you, you say... Uh, you know, that, 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 could, that could take a while. I'm not sure if I should, should do that. Again, this is something that you do behind that closed door in verse 6 of chapter 6 that Jesus is talking about. This is not something... There's a time for transparency. There's a time for vulnerability. We encourage that in our Bible Connect groups, and you're going to find that there, and we need that. But every time we pray in a group and every time we get in a group doesn't mean I have to list out every sin that I committed that last week. And when you pray in public, that's not the time to do that. I've heard some really creepy prayers before. The guy got up there and aired all of this stuff out and got down. I was like, you could have done a lot of that in private, you know? Listen, you don't have to go through a priest. You can go and step into the presence of God through Jesus, our high priest, and lay out your sins before him. There's times when we need to bring people in on struggles of our life. We need accountability. But you need to spend time every single day confessing your sin. T stands for thanksgiving. You say, well, I don't see that word. In, I don't see the word thankful or thanksgiving in the Lord's prayer. But it's, it's not there explicitly, but it, it's definitely implied. right? So even the, the relationship idea there with him being our heavenly father... Does that not imply a lot of things that we should be thankful for in our relationship with Him as our Heavenly Father, Him as our provider? Someone who's for us, He's never going to leave us, He's never going to forsake us. So in light of that, we, we should spend time thanking Him. Like We should never get tired of thanking God for the blessings that He showered down over our lives. You say, well, Pastor, I'm going through a lot right now and I can't really think about anything to be thankful for. Be thankful for this. It could be worse. No matter what you're going through, it could be worse. Be thankful for that. And we just spend a lot of time going through the Christmas season talking about the truth that if we're a Christian and we're seeing things through a biblical worldview and we're seeing things from the perspective of the redemptive line of history, then we can thank God even when we go through sorrowful things because we see throughout history that God often works in sorrowful, sad seasons in people's lives to actually bring about good. Actually, God knows exact God's purpose in your life never changes, and that's to conform your life more to the image of Jesus Christ. That's His vision for your life, and often He knows exactly what He needs to allow into our lives to make sure that that process is happening. And sometimes, what that takes is some sorrowful seasons and some difficult seasons because all of us at any given time have rough spots in our life and sometimes we need rough seasons to come into our life to sand like sanctified sandpaper, to sand down those rough spots to make us look more like Jesus. So even in sad, sour, sorrowful times, we can thank God for that. And then the last thing is supplication. Philippians 4, 6 says this, In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known. To God. Supplication. It means to ask God for what you want and what you need. We come to Him humbly. We come to Him personally. We adore Him. We get our heart right with Him. We come clean before Him. We confess our sins. We thank Him. We praise Him. And then we lay our bold request before Him. And you know what? I want to remind us this morning that our prayer request ought to reflect who our Heavenly Father is. A God full of unlimited power, a God full of unlimited authority, and a God who's also full of unlimited and unconditional love for you, if you're in Christ Jesus. Hey, it's okay if you want to if you want to pray for a free parking, uh, open parking space, uh, you know, close to the entrance at Publix this afternoon. Nothing wrong with that. It's okay to pray for little things like that. But if the majority of stuff that we're praying for is stuff like that, there is something wrong with that. And I just want to like wake up call for us today. Sometimes we pray for way too much shallow stuff. God cares, yes, about the details of our life, small details of our life. Yes, it's okay to pray for a close parking space. But our prayers need to be bigger. We need to think bigger. I mean, we have the God of the universe, the one and only true living God, relating to you like a father relates to his child who has an infinite capacity to hear and answer our prayers. And I'm going to talk to him about parking spaces all the time. Jesus said... Jesus said that faith in God demonstrated through faith-filled prayers can move mountains. Jesus said that... Prayer and fasting can cast demons out of people. So why am I going to spend all of my time praying for mundane things that don't matter when there are mountains to be moved? Mountains to be moved in this world. Mountains to be moved in our community. Mountains to be moved in my home. Mountains to be moved in my marriage. Mountains to be moved in my life. Are there not mountains to be moved this morning? He invites us. To pray big, bold prayers to a God who hears us and who is able to do what Paul says in Ephesians to do far more abundantly than we would ever ask or think. We don't approach Him for some parking spots. We approach Him personally and humbly in prayer because He's the only one who can move the mountain and put my marriage back together for some of us in the room. We approach Him humbly and personally because He's the only one who can move the mountain of saving your kid. We approach Him personally and humbly and repentantly because He's the only one who can move the mountain of removing cancer from your body. We approach Him personally and humbly and repentantly because He's the only one who can free you from that addiction. He's the only one who can help you through that situation that feels so helpless at times. He's the only one who can bring spiritual awakening to our lives, into our marriages, into our homes, into our community, into our city, into our nation. He's the only one powerful to do that. We've got access to Him. And He invites us in to pray personal, humble, Repentant prayers. Prayers that create atmospheres. He delights to move in power. Let's pray this morning. And as you bow your head and close your eyes, I want you to listen to me. I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning trying to conjure up like a big emotional response. I'm not even that good at doing that kind of stuff. I feel like what God's called me to do in the ministry of preaching the Word to preach the word exalt Jesus and get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit move but what I am going to say is this that on a morning like this here at the beginning of a new year if you do want to get out of your seat and want to come down to the front of this room and make it like an old fashioned altar and on bended knee adore God confess your sin thank God for the blessings in your life and lay bold requests before Him, you do that. You want to sit at your seat and do that? Do that. If you want to stand and sing this song as a prayer, you do that. But I'm inviting all of us to be more committed as a church to praying than ever this year in our individual lives, to be more committed than ever to to pray collectively as a church. And I want us to begin that this morning. I'm going to pray and I'm going to get out of the way. And you let the Holy Spirit show you how you need to respond.